0: All right, so what are you thankful for? That's kind of been the theme of this whole month, and we talked about this last week. We, as Americans, have a lot to be thankful for. And as I mentioned last week, it would be good, and maybe you do do this, but it would be good for us to sit down before we um, eat our food, to sit down and just kind of say, hey, let's take a time and and let's say what we're thankful for. And so hopefully uh, we'll be able to do that this week. In case you didn't know, Thanksgiving is Thursday. And so in honor of that, I have put together four trivia questions to check out your knowledge on how well you think you know Thanksgiving. So the first one is, how many turkeys are killed in the United States every year? This isn't just Thanksgiving. This is for the whole year. 100 million? 175 million? 245 million? Or 325 million? That sounds like a bunch either way, right? How many turkeys are killed every year in the United States? C. All right, we'll see what the answer is. C. 245 million turkeys. I should use the word harvest, that sounds better than kill. (laughs) 245 million turkeys are harvested every year. About 46 million just for Thanksgiving. And then about 22 million are harvested for Christmas. And then the remainder are throughout uh, the year. All right, good. All right, the second question is, what ship brought the Pilgrims to the new land? Titanic. Was it the Mayflower? (laughs) Was it Speedwell? Was it Titanic? Or was it the USS North Carolina? I've been on the USS North Carolina. It wasn't the Titanic, was it? Which one was it? All right, is that right? Okay, this is kind of a little bit of a tricky question. There was actually two ships that left to come here, and the second one was called the Speedwell. They actually had to turn back twice because it was having some problems. And so the second time, they left the Speedwell there, and they just took the Mayflower and came uh, to America. So it actually started out with being two ships, but the Mayflower was the only one that actually came here and landed. All right, the third question. In what year did Thanksgiving officially become a federal holiday? 1789, 1870, and 1941. I heard a lot of B's, I heard some
1: C's. No
0: A's? You would think A, I mean that's 1789, that's right in the middle there. Okay, give us the answer, Josh. 1941 was a year that it actually became a holiday. I forget the president, was it Eisenhower or was it Roosevelt? FDR, FDR. there you go, FDR was the one that signed it into law to where it became an actual holiday and it was to be the fourth Thursday of every November. Uh, 1789 was the first time that George Washington proclaimed it as a holiday, but his VP uh, Thomas Jefferson did not think it would be a good idea to actually make it a holiday, and so that at that point it was kind of uh, discarded. And then 1870 is when we had a president by the name of Abraham Lincoln that also declared the f- the last Thursday in de- of November as a day of Thanksgiving, but it wasn't until 1941 that it actually was officially known as a, a holiday. Okay, the last one. What was on the menu for the first Thanksgiving meal? They have two documents uh, somewhere that's kind of stated what they ate um, for food. Was it turkey and dressing with all the trimmings? I kind of recommend B, a T bone steak with a baked potato. Was it deer, cod, bass, wild fowl, and flint? Or was it D? This is Steve's favorite. Liver and onions, and potatoes and gravy. It was C, wasn't well, it? That's pretty obvious. Deer, cod, bass, wild fowl, and flint was some kind of a, a cornbread type of a thing that they would use out of corn. And so it doesn't really say that they ate turkey, per se, but I guess a wild fowl could be a turkey. But uh, I think there was 146 people that were on the Mayflower. Um, Out of those 146, some of those were actual crew members on the Mayflower. There was about 30 or so that were slaves that came over. And then believe it or not, the majority of the people that came over here on the Mayflower actually paid a fare to come over here so that they could start a new life. But one year later, there was 46 people of them died. So they lost a pretty uh, big chunk of people the first year that they were, uh, they were over here. And so that was just a few uh, questions I thought would be kind of neat uh, to get you in the mood for Thanksgiving. And so um, hopefully uh, you enjoyed that. But as I stated last week, I think we as Christians ought to be really thankful for what God has done for us and what Jesus uh, did for us. And so I think it would be good for us to sit down and take time, to take a moment uh, to be, to let it be known who and what we are thankful for. But Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 10 As we get started to our message this morning, Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 10, I think we have a tendency to forget the things that God has blessed us with, especially the country that we live in. We are so fortunate, as I stated last week, (coughs) we have first world problems. We don't have third world problems. And so we oftentimes kind of get an attitude of being ungrateful And so I think there was a reason why God um, commanded his people to remember where they came from. So Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse number 10, God says this, When you have eaten and are full, then you shall bless the Lord your God for the good land which he has given you. In other words, when you are eaten and you are full, we need to be thankful for God and to God for what he has given us. We teach our kids, don't we? We teach our our grandkids to say please and to say thank you, don't we? You know, little Johnny will ask for a cookie and you give him a cookie and he turns to run away. You say, hey, Johnny, wait a minute. What do you say? Oh, thank you. So we do that, don't we? We try to teach them that they need to say thank you for the things that we give to them. And as we continue on here in chapter 8, I think we can see over and over and over again in this passage that is trying to tell us what do you say to God? You need to say thank you. And so for example in verse number 12, he says, lest when you have eaten and are full we need to thank god for our food if there's something that really pops out to me in scripture when jesus whenever jesus ate a meal what did he do first it says he gave thanks almost without exception the bible tells us that jesus gave thanks do we do that before we eat Or before our rear end hits the seed, we got the fork in one hand and the spoon in the other, and we're shoving it in. We need to say thanks. Verse 12, we have built beautiful houses and dwell in them. Do you thank God for your house that you live in? No matter how bad or how terrible you think it is, even though the kitchen faucet leaks, even though you've got to jiggle the handle on the commode after you flush it, even though you have all those problems, are you still thankful for the house that God has given you? Because you wonder and you think about the people who have a lot less than what we have, that may have to live in a cardboard box or they may have to live in a kind of a makeshift house with a, some kind of a tin roof to, to protect them from the elements. Whatever you have... I guarantee is much better than what people around the world has. What about verse 13? And when your herds and your fo- flocks multiply and your silver and your gold are multiplied and all that you have is multiplied. Are you thankful to God for the money and for the job that you have this year? I got the worst job ever. We say that, don't we? Man, it's just so, I just hate going to work every day. Yeah, they pay me $35 an hour, but man, that is the worst job ever. I think flipping burgers at Walmart and McDonald's would be a lot better than that. At least I could go do that for six hours and then go home. We're just so ungrateful as a people, aren't we? But yet, God, it says, multiplied our silver and our gold. Did you ever look at your 401k? We've had a pretty good couple of years whenever I look at my 401k, when you look at that graph, it's kind of going this direction, which is good. Before, it's kind of going down this way. And so God has multiplied our silver and our gold. God has multiplied the things that we have. Are you thankful for that? What about in verse 14? When your heart is lifted up, and you forgot the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and out of the house of bondage. Are you thankful to God when you're on the mountaintop? When things are good, when things are just rolling, when things are just clicking, are you thankful to God for that? We typically are, aren't we? But let me ask you this question. In verse, in verse 15, he says, "Who to God?" valley that you find yourself in from time to time when things aren't so good are you still grateful are you still thankful to god Well, the saying that we have is god is good all the time god is good god is good when we're having the good days and god is good when we're having the bad days god is still god he can push us through. He can, he can guide us. He can help us. He, he just gave examples there of the times that they had no water and God provided. The time that they had snakes biting them and killing them, God took care of them. When they had no food and God rained bread out of heaven, God provided for them. Yes, they were having tough, terrible times, but yet God is good all the time. Yes, God is good. But look what he says in verse number 19. I think this is kind of a warning to us. He says, Then it shall be, if you by any means forget the Lord your God and follow other gods and serve them and worship them, then I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. When the time comes when we forget God, and go worship other gods, then we are doomed as a person. Well, we have to be careful that we don't fall into that trap, don't we? As I said before, anything that you put before God becomes your God. You don't have to go uh, to some... Mosque or somewhere and and fall down before a statue. You don't have to go uh, find Buddha somewhere and fall before him. Whatever you put before God becomes your God. And God said, when you do that, you will surely be put to death. And so this is a warning to us that we need to be thankful that we need not to forget the good things that God did for us. But did God ever tell his people to express their thanks to him? I think he did. There's a couple examples in the Old Testament of their both that you are well familiar with. Genesis chapter 4 is Cain and Abel. Remember they was showing their appreciation to God. Because there's a word there that I think is interesting. As soon as I can find Genesis 4, I'll read it to you. Genesis chapter 4 and verse 3 and verse 4 is Cain and Abel. It says, In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought out the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering." I think that word offering is interesting because to me, the word offering does not necessarily state that it was a command that they had to do that. Now, we know how the story goes because it tells us in verse 4 that God respected Abel and his offering. But the word offering really uh, means a gift or a donation, it is something that is voluntary. It seems to me to be a gift of thanksgiving. He was giving God a gift because he knew that God had blessed him. Remember Noah in Genesis chapter 8? Noah was the one who built the ark and he put all the animals on the ark. Or God actually brought them to the ark and Noah put them on the ark. And then it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. He was on the ark with his wife, his three kids, and their three wives. And then he was in the ark, we found out a couple of weeks ago, for almost a solid year, he was in that ark. And the first thing that he did when he finally got off that boat is that he took one of every animal and offered it to God as a sacrifice. He was saying, thank you, God, God getting me off of this boat that's what he was saying right God that woman you gave me I love her to death but she has changed the bedroom around five times in the year that we've been up here God please help me my three boys are driving me crazy yes I love them yes they're adults but we've been on this little boat for a year now God thank you for getting me off this thing but God, thank you for saving me. Every person besides those eight perished in that flood. Now, we're not for sure how many people were alive at that time. I've heard anywhere from uh, hundreds of millions up to about the population that we have today, five or six billion. Whatever it was, only eight people survived the flood And they were eternally grateful for what God did for them. And so Noah sacrificed one of every animal, every clean animal, I should say, to God. We've been looking through Leviticus on Sunday nights a couple of weeks ago. And we found that in the book of Leviticus, there are several different offerings that God Uh, expected his people to give there was a grain offering there was a drink offering there was a fruit offering there was a vegetable offering there was a burnt offering there was a heave offering they would take grain or like flour and just toss it up in the air and that was an offering to God but I think all of those were ways of them saying to God thank you for what you have done for us God even established three different feasts, if you will, of ways that they were to basically thank God. One of those was the Passover. And the Passover started way back in the book of Exodus. And the Passover was where they were to, uh, they were in Egypt, they were, they were slaves in Egypt and God was going to go through Egypt and kill every firstborn child. But God said, I will pass over you if you put blood on the three sides of the door on the outside. I heard something this couple weeks ago that was interesting about that fact. The person made this comment. It did not matter who was on the inside of the door What did matter was the blood that was on the outside of the door. It didn't matter if you was black or white or Asian or whatever. If you was on the inside, it didn't matter who you were. It didn't matter if you was a male or a female. It was just the idea that they were obedient to God and they put the blood on the outside of the door. And because of that, that angel passed over them. And so God set up a meal to commemorate this event. And it was called the Passover. It lasted a week. They could only eat unleavened bread. They could have no strong drink in their house. And they could only eat that unleavened bread for that one week. There was another feast called the Passover. The Passover, uh, or excuse me, the, it means Pentecost. Penta means fifty. Pentecost was 50 days after the Passover ended. We know what great event happened on the day of Pentecost, don't we? The church got its beginning. The church started. But that was a feast that they had to to keep in the Old Testament. And then there was a third feast called the Feast of Tabernacles. And that commemorated the idea of them going through the wilderness, wandering in the wilderness for 40 days. And God took care of them. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. And God gave them the food that was needed for them to survive. And so that was the Feast of Tabernacles. But each one of those feasts were just a way for them to say, thank you, God, thank you, God. Oh, we should never forget what God did for us. And so as Christians, we are commanded to be thankful. Jesus transformed one of these Thanksgiving uh, festivals, and that was the Passover. Jesus transformed Passover into the Lord's Supper, didn't he? Jesus instituted or Jesus started the Lord's Supper during the Passover feast. And so the Passover was something that they had kept for thousands of years, but now we as Christians, we keep the Lord's Supper. And we have been celebrating that every first day of the week for over 2,000 years. And so we as Christians, we as god's people today, we keep the Thanksgiving meal of the Lord's Supper. I think it was Ed two or three weeks ago made a comment that has really stuck in my head, and I can't get rid of it. but Ed made the comment, "This is the most expensive meal we will ever partake of." If you ever Had the president of the United States, maybe your favorite president, Ronald Reagan, was going to come to your house and eat supper, what would you have? You would have the best of the best, wouldn't you? You would have that T-bone steak that we mentioned earlier. You would have a lobster tail. You would have a big old baked potato with uh, tons of butter on it. You would just go completely as far as you could go because the president of the United States is going to come to your house and eat supper with you. But man, how much more important should this be in our life? Because Jesus paid with his own life so that we could partake of this meal. This is the most expensive meal we will ever be a part of. And so Jesus started that on the Lord on the on the Passover. Jesus said two different times, do this in remembrance of me. You take that piece of bread, and as you're breaking that bread, or as you are picking that bread out of the tray, remember the body of Jesus Christ that was beaten, that was stabbed, and all those things that happened to him. Remember that. And as you take that small cup. A pure grape juice. Remember the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed that covers your sins. And it covers my sins. Do this in remembrance of me, Jesus said. And so as we come to a close this morning, my fourth point is, what can we be thankful for? Well, there's a passage of scripture back in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 1, let's go back there. Ephesians chapter 1, I counted, I think, 17 things that I wrote down here of things that we need to be thankful for. And I'm sure there are several others I just did not pick up on. But Ephesians chapter 1 in verse number 3, Paul, the author of this book, He says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Blessed, be thankful. Be thankful for what God has done. What did God do? He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Did you ever thank God for that? Verse four, just as he chose him before the foundation of the world, God has chosen you. Are you thankful for that this morning? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. God chose you this morning, friend, to be holy and to be without blame. Are you thankful for that? Are you thankful that God has set you apart for the service of worshiping Him? We ought to be thankful for that. Verse 5, He has predestined us to the adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself. God has adopted you. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that you can be called a son of God? Because God adopted you. At your conversion, at your baptism, God signed the adoption papers. He said, now you can be called mine. Now you are mine. We need to be thankful that we could be called sons of God. In verse number six, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. We ought to be thankful for God's grace. Grace is something that we don't deserve, but God has given it to us anyway. Are you thankful for God's grace? Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Are you thankful that God has redeemed you? through his son, Jesus Christ. Are you thankful this morning that God has given you the forgiveness of sins? Aren't you glad that you don't have to carry your sins on your back like a big old knapsack? Aren't you glad you don't have to carry those sins around and the guilt that has been associated with those sins? God wiped them out. God just took them away, took them out of his memory even. Are you thankful for that? I am. Verse number eight, which he has made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. God has shown us the mystery of his will. We have the whole entire handbook. We have God's instruction manual that know that we can know for sure without a shadow of a doubt what we need to do to be pleasing to God. Verse number 11. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. There's an inheritance for you. Aren't you excited? There's an inheritance waiting for you in heaven. And we're going to be able to receive that one day. Maybe you here on earth has been given inheritance. It may be something that you didn't really enjoy. Maybe it was your mom's old sock collection. And when she died, she willed that to you. Man, I couldn't think of anything better, can you? Than to have a sock collection? But we have an inheritance. We, have, we are written in God's will That when we get to heaven, we get to spend eternity with him. That's an inheritance that is there waiting for us. We can put our trust in Jesus, in verse 12, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. We can put our faith and we can put our trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus tells us, and I believe it's John chapter 15, Greater love has no man than this, and man is to lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you to do. Jesus is our friend. We can put our trust completely in him. Did you ever have a friend that wasn't really a friend? Remember those high school days when you had a a person that you hung around with a lot, but when the time came and you really needed that person, they weren't there? That's not Jesus. You can trust in Jesus. You can put your faith totally in him. There are so several more in these next two verses. You have trusted after you heard the truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom you have believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit. Amen. God has given us the Holy Spirit. And in verse 14 says, Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? How do I know that I'm going to go to heaven? How do I know that there is a crown of righteousness in store for me? How do I know that there's an inheritance? Because God has given us the Holy Spirit as a guarantee. God in us. So there are several things there in those uh, 10 or 11 verses of what we need to be thankful for. But you know, as I was thinking, as I come to a close this morning, as Christians, we need to remember thanksgiving. If we take that word and make it into two words: thanks and giving. If we're really thankful to God for what He has done for us, then we need to be more giving of ourselves to him. Those two are connected, aren't they? When we realize what God did for us and how he loved us and how Jesus came and died on the cross for our sins, we're going to want to give ourselves totally to him. That's what he asks, that's what he demands, that we give our whole to him. We have chosen a song